On today's episode of the Mike on the Mike podcast, I break down the Adidas scandal. I give you team-by-team breakdowns of how it affects each school that's named in the report. I break down Kansas recruiting for next season and Late Night in the Fog. Stay tuned. Another episode of the Mike on the Mike podcast, and we've got a good one for you here today. We're going to talk about the Adidas scandal and Kansas basketball. Late Night in the Fog was this past weekend, and I'm so excited to get started with Kansas basketball. But first, let's look at what's kind of been developing with the Adidas scandal that really kind of broke on September 26th. So what happened was that day, September 26th, news broke that multiple college basketball coaches across the country had been named in a sting operation by the FBI. And really the basis of the report is, quote, investigators have been looking at whether coaches at these schools have been paid by outside entities such as financial advisors, agents, and apparel companies in exchange for pressuring players to associate themselves with those entities. People familiar with the investigation said that the executives at least one apparel company were expected to be among those arrested. A person familiar with the matter said, quote, the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office are leading the investigation. So broadly, the investigation has shed light on the highly competitive recruiting pipeline that brings elite high school basketball players to Division I programs and through them into the professional leagues. And the role played by assistant coaches in that process is what really has gotten these people in trouble. So when I first heard the news, I really wasn't surprised. Um, For years, I feel like there's been fishy cases of players going certain schools that really didn't make any sense geographically and also just association-wise with the way the player plays or really the AAU teams that they're with. But to have a major program like Louisville get caught up in this, it was really shocking for me. Uh, Louisville was caught in the sting operation that involved the All-American recruit Brian Bowen. He's the one that, if you don't know, and you watched the All-American game uh, four or five months ago, he's the one um, with the really blonde hair, almost like Odell Beckham, but not as cool as Odell Beckham. But basically what happened is the FBI had been following Bowen through the recruiting process and caught Louisville red-handed. Bowen's decision decision shocked a lot of people when it happened as he did not have Louisville on his list until a couple days before he decided to commit there. So if you think about that from afar, that's really kind of sketchy. He doesn't have Louisville anywhere on the list. You know, as these players go, they love having these lists. Every player has Kentucky on the list. Every player has Duke, all these, you know, blue blood schools. But then all of a sudden have Kentucky at the last second come in and to have him go there even after not having them on his list, was really weird, and I guess that raised some eyebrows. So the other aspect of this is kind of the Adidas aspect. She's been caught up in this, um, and Jim Gatto is the head of global sports marketing for Adidas, and he is named multiple times in the report, and he's been charged and arrested. And the FBI is alleging that University 6, who is Louisville in the report, agreed to pay a recruit $100,000 that was paid through Adidas, and also that Louisville and Adidas conspired 
to pay another recruit in order to secure his commitment. They didn't end up paying the second one, but they did pay the first one. So the initial recruit that in question, uh, it looks to be Brian Bowen, uh, as we mentioned, the five-star shooting guard, um, who's one of the elite recruits from the class of 2017. Um, and there are a lot more people that are listed in the report. Um, let's ju- I'm just going to go through and we're just going to talk about each one so you kind of get to understand kind of the how really big this is. There's a lot of programs that have been named in here. So let's start off with a really big school is Arizona and their assistant coach, Emmanuel Richardson, the bribes from runner Christian Dawkins and financial advisor Muhish Sood for steering Arizona players to work with them as professionals. Dawkins, then an agent, was also seen at Arizona practices, which is an NCAA violation in itself. So Richardson has been the assistant under Sean Miller since he was at Xavier back in 2007 and coming over to Arizona in 2009. And he has been arrested for fraud and corruption charges. And Arizona has since suspended Richardson and relieved him of all duties. So really here with our Arizona friend, um, there's two things really. So the first thing is he was already breaking NCAA rules being an agent and being at in Arizona practice, which is not allowed because, of course, the players are amateurs and they're not making money or they're not supposed to be making money, and he was there. And then also for steering people to go work with some of his colleagues. Um, so another team that we have here is Auburn and their associate head coach, Chuck Person. So Person was allegedly agreed to take $50,000 in bribes from Rashawn Michael to push prominent college athletes to work with him as the owner of the Atlanta-based clothing company. As a 13-year-old NBA veteran, Pierre Person is the most prominent name in this report, and he has been arrested and suspended without pay. And also within the Auburn program, we have head coach Bruce Pearl. So he's not named in the complaints, but he has a long history about the NCAA. Most notably, Pearl was given a three-year show-cause penalty for lying to the NCAA about hosting recruit Aaron Kraft at a barbecue in 2008. And Pearl hired Pearson in 2014. And Aaron Kraft, um, for those that recognize the name but not the face, um, played for Ohio State a couple years back. Really, rosy cheeks, baby face. um, Was a really good point guard for them, but never really made it into the NBA. So the first of our Big 12 schools uh, is Oklahoma State and their assistant, Lamont Evans, who allegedly accepted $22,000 in bribes to steer athletes at South Carolina and then steering them to Oklahoma State to become clients of Dawkins and Sued. Um, so we coached at South Carolina for four seasons before leaving in 2016 to join Brad Underwood's staff at Oklahoma State. And he was suspended with pay by the university on Tuesday, and Oklahoma went on to fire him on last Thursday. So next up, uh, we go down south to USC and their assistant, Tony Bland, who allegedly took $13,000 in bribes from Dawkins and Sued, and he allegedly had Dawkins and Sued pay $9,000 to the families of two athletes at USC, and he was placed on media and administrative leave and all that good stuff. Um, and another school that was named in the report is South Carolina, a.k.a. University 2. As I mentioned earlier, we have University 6 is Louisville Cardinals, and the big head honcho that they really got in all this was Rick Pitino. And 
Bettino and Louisville were already in trouble for the escort scandal of a year ago. And to have this all of a sudden come up, really, you could see Louisville getting some sort of big time. And I mean, like, they wouldn't do death penalty for Louisville because that's only been used a couple times. But I feel like they're going to get a long ban from being able to participate in the NCAA tournament. So with Patino, they placed him on administrative leave last Wednesday, and he was effectively fired, according to his lawyer, who is not named in the complaints. Um, and apparently, Patino is and the university are in conflict about how much Patino needs to be paid if he is fired. The university claims he should only be paid at like ten or eleven thousand dollars, but the wording on the contract points to Patino getting upwards of multiple millions of dollars. Uh, and then the final school that was named in the report is the Miami Hurricanes, aka University Number no. Seven. So the school is alleged to have had assistant coach work with Adidas executive James Gatto, who we talked about earlier to arrange a payment of $150,000 to a potential 2018 recruit, a.k.a. the recruiting class of Zion Williamson. So Gatto and the coach were reportedly worried that the recruit would take another bribe for approximately just as much from a rival school and rival apparel company. So with this, you could point at two schools, really, Under Armour and Nike. And if we're talking about Miami Hurricanes, that means that's the ACC. That's Duke, North Carolina, and those schools over there. So I really would be interested to see if they ever find out who this rival school is. And if it is, then we could have a whole nother Megillah on our hands if another apparel company is caught up in something like this. So, so far with the apparel companies, we have Adidas, their company one, and a poison affiliates of the sportswear brand have been charged, and Adidas' formal ties to college basketball include programs and sponsors like Kansas, and they also sponsor AAU teams throughout the country. And a little bit later, I'll talk about the relationship between these AAU teams and the apparel companies. Uh, so the following individuals have been named from Adidas, James Gatto, Merle Code, Jonathan Brad Augustine, Christian Dawkins, Manish Sood, and Rashawn Michael. So, with all this news breaking and Adidas being named, people from across the country really started to ask questions and accusing the University of Kansas for being a part of this also. And in all honesty, this really ground my gears and pissed me off so much. Kansas is one of the top three programs in the world. It goes North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, not in any specific order. And you could ask yourself, well, why isn't Kentucky on this? But Kentucky isn't in that discussion because they're not—they're really not a program. They are a revolving door of pure talent that I—I I feel like should be in the Final Four every year. With the sheer amount of talent they get, they get multiple five-star recruits every year. But John Calipari is just an incompetent coach. Um, but uh, okay, this discussion we'll have a little bit later. That's for another day. But back to the real thing. So with Kansas, you don't think if the FBI or NCAA had anything on Kansas, any dirt on them, they wouldn't want to just flaunt that around and have that be the leading piece? Why have Louisville lead when you have stuff on Kansas? And as of today, they have nothing. And I don't believe they will have anything because I don't 
believe, and this is all personal belief, and I follow blindly at times, but I don't think they have anything on them. And a lot of people want to connect the dots with certain players like Andrew Wiggins and Josh Jackson and all those guys. But one that's really come up that I it grinds my gears is Carlton Bragg. Um, so for those that don't know who Carlton Bragg is, he's a kid from Ohio, came to Kansas for two years, and after a sophomore season last year, he decided to transfer to Arizona State where he now attends. And many people want to point to the situation that really happened here and before he got to Kansas and want to say, oh, that's the suspect and that's a really fishy situation. And if you think about it in hindsight, you can understand that. He's a kid from Ohio, played for an Adidas AAU school, or AAU team, sorry, not school, um, and is recruited by Ohio State, who is a Nike school. But he decides to go to Kansas, an Adidas school. And he wants to get, and he gets to Kansas, he doesn't play too much, and the coach seems to have a problem with him. And again, from afar, this is beyond suspect. If I didn't go to Kansas and didn't understand really what happened, I would point my fingers at this too. But in his time here, Bragg really had a lot of off-the-court problems. He was charged with assault, which was dropped, but still being a charge really brought a lot of attention to him that he didn't need. Um, and he had a lot of off-the-court problems that I'm not going to speak of because it's personal things that I don't think needs to be out there. But basically, Bragg's off-court issues caused Self not to play him which forced him to transfer. And in general, when Bragg did get on the court, he looked like trash. And in general, people want to and try to connect the dots with Kansas. And, I mean, as for other schools, this has been going on for years, and I feel that in general most colleges have some sort of ulterior method of payment. You know, too many times you see these college athletes and college basketball players especially rocking Jordans that are hundreds of dollars or clothing items that no college student should be able to afford. And this is one of the things that I believe need to change most about the college sports scene is athletes have to be paid. And before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit more about the players and the kind of the rules that surround them. So when these athletes come to the colleges, they're not allowed to be paid by any outside person, any boosters, or even the university itself. Their method of payment, if you want to say, is a scholarship that covers their school costs, so they don't have to pay for school. But they don't get any sort of spending money with it, if you would. Um, and to have students going around campus wearing you know, hundreds of dollars worth of clothing when they have no method of income is fishy. And this is why I believe athletes really should be paid because the NCAA makes millions and millions of dollars every year and they're considered a nonprofit. And yet people are okay with the players not making a dime, even though they argue more, the players are worth more than the NCAA is, you know, without them. If there are no college athletes, there's no NCAA. And the NCAA can't make any money without the athletes. And most people argue that paying players isn't isn't a good thing because they're already being paid for their scholarships but i think the argument's kind of weak the university pays air quotes pays for these athletes to go to school where the athletic departments end up making more than they end up paying these athletes you know for instance kansas from out of state tuition everything it ends up being around forty thousand dollars so for kids coming out of state a forty thousand dollar scholarship is given but with jersey, ticket, concession sales, 
in the end, these universities make way more money than they end up paying out to the players. And the story of Shabazz Napier is one that I really point to. Um, he's a former UConn Husky who famously had a story of starving go viral uh, during the Final Four like four or five years ago. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the story, uh, Napier went to bed hungry most days of the year during the season because he had to send money back to his mother to help her pay the bills. And Napier couldn't get a campus job because basketball was a job in and of itself. So he had to go to bed hungry because he couldn't go get food because you you know you run out of stamps or you run out of I don't understand, I don't know how it works at UConn but something like that. And I'm not saying that these players need to be paid millions. I believe that taking the revenue the NCAA makes in a year in some way spreading it around. And just for example, last or in 2015, the NCAA made 989 million dollars. They almost made 1 billion dollars. And yet none of that goes to the players. None of that would be possible without the players and their likenesses. And Jay Billis and J.J. Redick are two kind of high-profile people that have spoke on this before. Um, I really think that needs to change at some point. But so, okay, moving on from my tangents and talking about that Adidas schedule, let's get to the fun stuff in Kansas basketball. And we're going to start off with the recruiting trail um, and the quest for Zion Williamson. So, late night in the fog was a couple days ago, uh, last Saturday to be exact, and Zion Williamson was in attendance along with a lot of other recruits, and I talked about those recruits. Uh, just go on onto the Kansan.com, and you can search for Zion Williamson, and it will show up. So before we talk about Zion and him coming to possibly coming to Kansas, I'll say, um, let's talk about who the Jayhawks have committed already for next year. So far, there's Silvio D'Souza, who's a four-star power forward who's ranked as the one in the top ten as power forward in the 2018 recruiting class. And we also have David McCormack, who's a 6'9 center, who's ranked as the second-best center in the 2018 recruiting class. What makes the relationship between David McCormack and Zion Williams so interesting is the fact that the two of them posted a a photo onto Instagram a couple days back of just the two of them together. Uh, I believe it could have been after late night, but the relationship between the two of them is very important because McCormack played for an Adidas AAU team and he's now coming to Kansas. And Zion Williamson also plays for an Adidas AAU team. And I reported about a week ago that Zion Williamson would sign an offer and commit to the University of Kansas within the next couple of weeks and I, and I stick by that he will sign with Kansas within the next seven to ten days he still has to visit Duke and UCLA but I don't believe he will even go on a visit there um, Zion Williamson is incredibly athletic and he really took the college basketball scene by storm really last year when his viral dunks were you know going viral he was he dunks like LeBron James in his prime basically and that's something that Bill Self loves. You know, you look at the likes of Kelly Oubre, Josh Jackson, Andrew Wiggins, Ben McLemore. He loves those athletic wings that can run up and down the floor, play some defense, and score the ball. And I think Zion Williamson on that team next year would be incredible. And I think that he's going to sign, and he will 
be a Jayhawk, and everyone should really get excited for next season. But before we talk about, you know, next season, that'll come when it comes. But for this season, I'm very, very excited for this season. Um, there was an article on the Kansan earlier this week. It was a daily debate by Armand Al-Hassanini and Brandon Shaw on what breakout stars they think will, you know, flash onto the scene this season. And two, the two players chosen were Malik Newman and Svetlana Mikhailuk. And although I think that both of them will be very successful this year, the breakout star will no doubt be center Yudoka Azabik. Yudoka missed most of last season with the wrist injury he suffered in practice before the start of Big 12 play. And from the first game that Yudoka played with Kansas to his last game last season, there was so much improvement from him. I vividly remember watching the Nebraska game, and Yudoka got a rebound and dribbled all the way across the floor. He crossed over once and crossed over again. And you have to keep in mind, Yudoka is 7 foot almost 300 pounds, and he is also 18. Or he may not even be 18 yet. And he's a large human being, and to see him move like he did and so agilely, and he just missed the layup at the end. But I remember that just that moment sticks in my head, just seeing that potential. And I think that over a year of being with Bill Self and understanding what Self wants from him, I think he's going to be one that's just going to take the Big 12 in the NCAA by storm, and I think he's going to be a key for Kansas to be successful if he can take over kind of what Landon Lucas did last year and maybe scoring more than Lucas did. You know, swallow up the rebounds, you know, box out. Just make sure you do your job and don't get into foul trouble. And as for another possible breakout star, I really like Billy Preston to take the Big 12, you know, by the scruff of its neck. From the beginning when Billy Preston signed, and since I've seen him play now multiple times, I say he is actually better than Josh Jackson was coming into Kansas. Josh Jackson, for as athletic as he was and for as good as he is defensively in his attitude, he can't shoot for shit. He can't shoot. That's the problem. And he can You can sag off him, and he really doesn't have much offensively besides slashing. And hopefully, in the NBA level, he will grow as a shooter and become a great player that I know he can be. But Billy Preston is better than Josh Jackson is. Billy Preston is two inches taller. He's 6'10 or 6'11, somewhere in there. He's got more weight than him. He's not as fast and can't jump as high, but he's just as good defensively against a power forward as Josh Jackson would be against a power forward. And what I like about Billy Preston is it's his ability to shoot. And he showed it at late night. He had a couple outside shots that's really nice, and he's really good at shooting in rhythm. And he, and Josh Jackson was very much a streaky shooter, and I get the feeling that Billy Preston is much more of an even keel. He's not going to hit the peaks and valleys that Josh Jackson did at his time with Kansas, where at some points he's shooting 20%, and at some points he's shooting 45%, 50%. I really like Billy Preston. I think he's going to be a player to really watch for. And I think the relationship, for him being able to play, a power forward, or even if Bill Self really wanted to, I think Preston could play a small ball five if Yudoka gets into foul trouble. And there's a lot of lineups that they can use Billy Preston. They can even throw Preston in at the three if they really wanted to go super big and have Mitch Lightfoot at the four and Yudoka at the five. And I really like the overall versatility of Preston's game. Um, and as for the rest of the team, I really like the makeup of it. There's 
If you look at the past championship-winning teams, you look at North Carolina last year, they had a good mix of one-and-done talent and four-year talent. You have Barry, who's staying four years, Jackson, who stayed for three years, and then you also have, um, I don't remember his name now, but the big man for them that left after one year. And I really like that look for this Kansas team. You've got Billy Preston, who's going to be a one-and-done, but you also have the leadership of Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, Sfee, and LeGerald Vick being that core of that team, but they're also so freaking athletic. LeGerald Vick, Malik Newman, even Sfee looked really athletic. He looked like he's going to be able to run up and down the court a lot more. And last year, I really got the feeling that Sfee was out of shape or injured most of the year because he just would not slash and he looked like a poor man's J.J. Redick with his ability to shoot the ball, which was still there, but he really couldn't slash. He couldn't do much else besides that. And Sam Cunliffe is a really intriguing player for me because I watching his film from high school in Arizona State, he's very athletic and he can shoot the ball. And I'd be interested to see what role he takes this year. And I think that the Kansas starting lineup uh, for the first Big 12 game, it's going to be Devontae Graham at the point guard, Malik Newman playing two, Seville uh, play the three, and Billy Preston at the four, and Yudok at the five. And I think the first person off the bench will be Cunliffe and then LeGerald Vick. And then after that, it really comes into a crapshoot with Mitch Lightfoot and the rest of the team. But I also think that next year, having these transfers like the Lawson twins, or not twins, sorry, brothers, and um, the transfer from Cal – this team next year is going to have a lot of time together already. So I feel like next year also is going to be a great year. But as for this year, I think Kansas basketball, they're going to go on to win another Big 12 title this year. I believe that they're going to – I think they're going to make the Final Four. It really depends. You know, the NCAA tournament is such a crapshoot. You never know where your team is going to end up. But I really think that this Kansas team has the ability to be one of the best of all time just from the – pure versatility of the entire team, the age that they're all at, and overall, Bill Self, I think, is as good as he's ever been as a coach, and he's much more willing to adapt to the team rather than years ago when he stuck to playing a high-low game, which really fit the team then, but I feel a couple years ago, he really could have transferred this team into a more modern game when he had Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, but he didn't. And I feel like Bill Self has grown as a coach in the past couple years. All right, so that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard from me, you can find me on Twitter at mswain97. I always love talking to people about basketball, baseball, football, anything. Just tweet at me if you have any questions or anything you want me to talk about on the podcast. And if you would, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. Those help out a lot. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for all music used in the making of this podcast.